Hi everyone and uh, welcome to the Parma Podcast. It's really great to have you all here with me today. Um, I'm delighted uh, that for Holy Week we've got um, Alexander Shire with us again. Um, we're going to be talking about um, some stuff to do with Holy Week and the journey of Quadratos and the Passion of the Christ. Not the movie, the actual Passion of the Christ. Um, so welcome Alexander, welcome back. Thank you James, it's a delight, it's a delight to be with you again. I think this is our seventh time. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm going for records here. Yeah, I can't. I've lost count. He's definitely you're definitely the guest that's been on the most. Anyway, on but, my show. but this time I'm actually in the UK, so I'm even more excited. Yes, yes, Alexander is in the UK, which is really exciting. Um, he might be coming to London to do some kind of uh, some kind of meet up event in uh, in early May. So if you're around, um, let me know. And you, you know, if you're in London, um, we'll try. And we're going to try and fix something up. And um, Alexander's going to be in London, talking about his work. So it's going to be really awesome. Um, so, but today, you know, for Holy Week, we're going to be talking about um, things to do with Holy Week. So, um, first, I don't know. I just want to talk about first in brief. Um, what what's kind of your perspective on Holy Week, and how does it fit with? The Quadratos journey, you know, the four, the, you know, the four paths, as it were. Like, what's your kind of perspective on it? Because I think it's different from a lot, how a lot of people see it. Well, it, um, so um, here, here, here is my perspective. Um, Holy Week, as a construct, comes out of the Middle Ages, and it really comes. It was crafted during the time that we were developing morality plays, because people were not able to read and write, and the morality play was the way that they learned the gospel story. Mm. Um, and this entire week was created as a, um, a sacred drama, a sacred pageant, to um, help us walk with the last days, the last moments of Jesus' life mm. uh, to the cross, and then hopefully through the cross to resurrection. Mm. Um, it's... Holy Week is not the most ancient Easter tradition. The, we have a tradition which starts in the second century. Um, so it, we have, a, we have a, a very different tradition of Easter, which is uh, about 1,700 years old. And then we've got a Holy Week tradition, which is about five or 600 years. Um, the earlier tradition is about the... Um, is, is about the passion uh, as, uh, how do I say this in the, the easiest way? Um, Jesus is leading us through our passion. Whereas, whereas Holy Week has focused us on Jesus's passion, and we try to extrapolate meaning from it. The earlier Easter was about Jesus's passion as a model of our own passion. Oh. And so, that holy, that Easter it was very much about a present moment experience within the individual and the community, right? And was not as much referenced back to the historical passion of Jerusalem, but and and this is the reason that we have four distinctly different pat. We have a different passion in each gospel, and they're quite different. Hmm. And they're all they're all based in fact, they're all based in history, 
but each one is told because it's a particular type of moment in our life, not Jesus's life. Hmm. They're not. They're not. They're not told to tell us about Jesus's passion. They're told to tell us about the passion that each one of us has in a particular moment or question that we're wrestling with. So, give me an example, like just from one of the gospels, like um, say John. Like, what, 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 what kind of part of our journey does kind of that represent? Like, for example. Well, okay. So, John is the passion of joy. Yeah, and we'll, I, I think in a little bit later we'll look at John's passion, and it's so unusual. It's not the passion that any of us think we're going to get when we really read John for John, because in John Jesus doesn't suffer, in John Jesus doesn't sweat blood, in John Jesus doesn't question. Uh, in John, Jesus never says, let the cup be passed. In fact, a number of times in John's passion, Jesus says, give me the cup. This is the moment I've come for, um, mm. et, et, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it's, it's a very, it's, 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 it's a passion about a particular moment that we have as a follower of Jesus. Hmm. Interesting. So when we, so we, when we get, so basically, it's kind of when we get to a point in our journey where we are able to say, "Give me that, give me that cup." Yes. When we're able to kind of this, choose. This is an incredible moment, and you know, I think maybe I've touched it maybe a millisecond in my life, um, but I think if we look at a Nelson Mandela. Hmm. Uh, we look at a man who has been in prison for uh, 25 years and somehow in that moment develops tremendous compassion uh, in something that most of us would think would have brought him to his knees. It actually lifted him up um, with, a, with a sense of greater purpose and mission and compassion and liberation. And that's the effect of John's passion. It's not that the suffering isn't there in John's passion, but Jesus doesn't count it. There's nothing in John's passion which is about suffering or angst or questioning. Uh, Jesus is totally filled in that passion with a sense of purpose and peacefulness and equanimity. And it doesn't matter how much it's going to cost him. It just doesn't matter. Mm, that's an amazing place to be if you can get to that place. Oh, God. It, like I said, I, I touched it occasionally in my life and just touching it, knowing that the, pa the four passions are true and just touching it in my life, it's something that I keep praying to have the grace of more. Mm, I think that's something we should, we should all be praying for. Um, yeah. To be able to choose that, you know, um, having been through a bit of a passion play myself, um, choosing that is, uh, yeah, that's a, that's an amazing thing to be able to do. Um, so um, interesting. So well, yeah, I, I, well, I mean, I don't know whether to go further into John because there's so much to say because it's so different than the other three passions. But I will say the church, quote-unquote church, the Christians of the 2nd into the 3rd century, 
chose John's passion for Good Friday, and as that's the only passion that Christians traditionally read on Good Friday. But here's the change. In the ancient church, Good Friday was Easter, not Lent. And John's passion is the passion of joy, oneness, and we see the effect of resurrection in it. That's why it was that was that's why it was chosen for the Good Friday of Easter. (laughs) There's so much stuff that we just don't know, isn't there? About the Bible, you know, like when you find out about this kind of, it just every time I find out more about it, it just blows my mind, and the Bible just gets like way bigger and just just completely different, you know. I think we had talked about this briefly in one of our earlier conversations, but there is a, there's a stunning moment in the Gospel of John, and Jesus is on the cross. Hmm. Um, well, actually, there, there are two stunning moments. Um, in John's Gospel, near the end with Jesus on the cross, they put the bitter wine up to his lips. Hmm. And if you look very close, if you read very closely the other three passions, Jesus doesn't take it. Mm, yeah. That's but what happens in this passion, because in this passion, Jesus has already said a couple of times, this is the moment I have come for. Give me, give me the cup. And that, that phrase about give me the cup is, give me the world's bitterness. Give me the world's tears. Give me the world's brokenness. This is what I have come to drunk up. Oh, and so wow. in this passion, which again is an Easter passion, when when the bitter wine is put up to his lips, he drinks it and then says, now it is complete. Oh, man. That's just... And then, and then comes the next stunning moment and it's... It's so subtle that if you're not listening or looking for it very closely, you're going to miss it. But in this passion, after Jesus drinks the wine on the cross, he bows his head. And theologians have debated this for centuries about, and linguists, which translation it should be. Most translate the Greek as, Jesus bows his head and delivers over his spirit. The Roman tradition and Raymond Brown, the great theologian in the Roman church, emphatically mm. stresses that the translation should be, and Jesus bows his head and delivers over the spirit. Oh, wow. And in that moment in John, we are seeing an expression of resurrection and Pentecost. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my word. That's amazing. Oh, my goodness. And this is why the early church thought of John's gospel as the Easter passion. Yeah, because it ends with resurrection, literally. Literally. Yeah. It, It goes back to the first line of John's gospel about in the beginning. Oh, my word. Yeah, because, because, the breath, because you yeah. can translate in the beginning as in the beginning was the word. 
But the other variation in Hebrew was, in the beginning is God's breathing. <laughs> oh, man, what great writing. That is a great book, John. I love John. So well written. That It's just so well written. Um, um, all the metaphors and the everything, just everything, how it's planned out. It's uh, the symbolism and everything. It's fantastic. Um, well, and that's just John, you see. That's just touching, scratching the surface of John. We've got to do a series on this one day. We'll have to do this one. Next year, maybe we'll record something for like, like we'll get it all done, and we'll do like four or five different episodes on this. But, well, help uh, me because I mean, everybody keeps telling me I need to write a, a very short book about the four passions. But yeah, I think that'd be that'd be good. I'd love to read that. Um, okay. um, yeah, there's two things that I kind of that kind of, that kind of caught my attention. Um, two parts of the story. Um, the first part that I just wanted us to kind of explore really was Jesus in the garden saying, take this cup away from me, yet not what I will, but you will. Um, you know, um, Jesus kind of you know, sweating blood and Jesus full of anxiety, Jesus full of fear, you know. And then on the cross, when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These are these are two really important moments of you know, Holy Week, whatever you want to call it, Holy Week or um, the Passion of Jesus, um, the Passion of the Christ. Um, and I think there's more to them than, than than meets the eye. And so I kind of wanted to kind of spend the rest of the episode talking about these two these two um, these two moments and what they mean. So, so James, you you um, you know. I, uh, um, you've got this crazy guy over here who knows these four passions um, as, how, as how each one is constructed. Hmm. And the challenge is, is we've got movies running in our head hmm. or, or we've got how we've seen the story told in our churches. Hmm. But just like when you say Jesus in the garden, well, um, it's called something different in each of the four Gospels. Yes. And different things happen in that place in each of the four Gospels. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, actually, I'm thinking that I've got to do a movie uh, where we do the four Gospels in a row and people get to see how absolutely different they are. This is not a story. Yeah. Oh no. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I get that completely. Yeah. So, so, um, like let, let's go to the scene in Matthew where it's called Gethsemane. Yeah. Gethsemane. Um, whereas, John doesn't reference Gethsemane at all, and and neither and neither does Luke. Um, but for but John sets this sets the arrest in Gethsemane. Why? And Jesus and the disciples have gone out from the meal, and they've gone across the valley and up to the mountain and into the place of Gethsemane, and 
the disciples fall asleep, and Jesus goes, and he prays, and he comes back, and they're asleep. And then he suddenly, Jesus says, get up, the betrayer is at hand. Hmm. Now, here's, um, it, it's, it's like we need to put on our best English lit. we got to put on a sort of a Shakespearean mind. Hmm. Because each author, where they place their details is very, very important. Um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke were all going to, to name Judas as a betrayer. But Matthew gives us the name right here at the point of the arrest because he's going to highlight a spiritual practice for us. Mm. So Jesus tells the disciples, get up, the betrayer is at hand. And the text says, Judas comes and kisses Jesus. And Jesus says this stunning word, stunning, mm. friend. Mm. He's just named him. This is, this is what happens when you really look at each one of these passions. Yeah. Two lines above, he's emphasized that this is the betrayal. Hmm. Jesus calls him friend. Hmm. Let's, let's, him, let's him kiss him and calls him friend and then says to him, friend, do what you have come to do. Hmm. Now, let's look at um, the history of this text of Matthew and why this telling of the passion is such an important spiritual practice for us. Yeah. Um, we know that, that this text was written to uh, Jewish Christians somewhere we believe in the 70s of the first century after the Jewish temple is destroyed uh, a large part of Jerusalem is torn down, mm. and the Jewish priesthood has been ended by massacre. Yeah. And um, the, the Jewish Christian people, both of us, are, are rocked to our IT because the temple was everything. The temple was the guarantor, we believed, that Jesus would come back. Yeah. Jesus was coming back at the temple. Mm. And with the temple gone, um, even Christians are wondering if Jesus was truly the Messiah, the Messiah. Mm. And they were feeling angry and perhaps betrayed. They were feeling betrayed by uh, the Romans they were feeling betrayed by their God who had let this happen. Hmm. And what Matthew wants to convey to us by the way he gives us the story of Jesus, and I don't, it don't mean that it's not true history. The question is not true history. The question is, why does the, the evangelist 
tell the story this way. Hmm. Because he's not trying to give us history for history's sake. He's trying to, to inform us about spiritual practice. Right. Okay. And, and Matthew was saying to all of us, we go along our lives kind of in a routine, sort of half awake. Um, things aren't terrible. Things aren't great. Things are okay. We just sort of keep rolling along. And then something happens. Whether it's dramatic as um, a car running across a bridge and killing people, or a 9-11, or a financial downturn, or a discovery of a betrayal by a friend or a colleague or professional person. Hmm. We had these moments that shake us awake, Hmm. shake us out of complacency. Yeah, absolutely. And in that moment, many people are going to say, where is God? Hmm. And what this gospel is saying is, God's right here. If you'll reach out, if you'll open your heart, God is right here. Mm. And the scary part is, is that right here is painful. I, I, I don't want to be here. Yeah. That's true. But, but Jesus the Christ in the Gospel of Matthew is talking to all of us about the passion when our hearts are ripped open in pain, searing pain, loss, downturn, violence, betrayal. And what Jesus is saying to each of us in that moment is, through the power of the Christ, not your own ego, but through the power of the Christ, I want you to let me help you say, friend, do what you have come to do. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, I just got that. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Yeah. Um, it's funny because when you were saying all of this, I was thinking, I actually began to think of myself as Judas. And, like, I mean, I've been through a lot of a lot of trauma and well um, in my past but I've been dealing with it in my present and I've had moments where I've been angry at God and I've shouted at him and been horrible to him and just said cruel things to him and now I'm kind of feeling like getting this sense of being like Judas and and kind of Jesus saying like just saying that to me like before I got angry you know just like I'm ready to get angry with God and Jesus just says yeah come like friend come do what you came to do <laughs> you know shout at me whatever you know do what you came here to do like and still loving you in the, even in that moment you know still yeah. being your friend in that moment you know and just the grace of that moment um, and, but then there's the, obviously the other the other side of it, which, yeah, because all of us have been betrayed and hurt and um, in so many different ways, um, both individually and 
obviously as a culture, as a society, as as yeah, as community, and to be able to say to the person who's doing that to you that they're your friend, and to invite it is a powerful thing to be able to do. Right. And that does not mean that I agree with the pain that I am allowing, that I want this to happen to me. This is, this is nothing about uh, my taking on pain for the sake of pain. This is saying that no matter what happens, no matter what happens, no matter how terrible what happens, there is a power that I named Jesus the Christ that can help me walk through it. That's what is happening here in Matthew's text. And the focus is, um, and I might as well say this, there, there is very little difference in the quality of what happens between Judas and Peter. Both of them, quote-unquote, walk away from Jesus. Yeah, they, they do it in different ways. The difference that the Gospels show us between Judas and Jesus is not what they did. It's what they did when they woke up. Hmm. When they woke up, Judas despaired. Hmm. And, Peter, and Peter wept. That's the difference. Judas couldn't hear Jesus' love. And for that, I weep. Yeah, that's a tragedy. It's tragedy. Because the church often goes at Judas and, you know, like, oh, he's this evil guy who betrayed Jesus. And, like, when Jesus talks about the one doomed to destruction, that's Judas, and he's in hell, and all this kind of... And it's just... And that never kind of fitted right with me, that... And I don't think, and that's not what, of course, that's not what it means. You know, Judas is a tragedy. You know, it's. Yeah, Judas is a tragedy. I mean, let's look at, let's look at the reality of what's going on. The Romans knew that Jesus was in Jerusalem that night. Yes. And they were, and they were going to find him. Hmm. What Judas provided was not singling out Jesus that without Judas, the Romans wouldn't have found him. No, what Judas provided them was a way for the Romans to arrest him when the crowds went around. Hmm. That's all Judas did. Yeah. Yeah, because they could have. Yeah, because they they could have found him and arrested him. Like they could have. Yeah, but yeah, Judas gave, gave them a way to do it, which was a lot easier. They, they, they were going to get him that night one way or the other. Judas provided them um, a, a quieter, uh, off-the-stage way to arrest Jesus. Hmm. Yeah. Powerful. So, I, in terms of Jesus, when he's, when he's, just before this, when he's sweating blood, I don't know which gospel it's in, um, when he's sweating blood and he's, and he's and you hear his prayer of when you hear his prayer of um you know um take this cup away from me what what part of our journey is that representing well 
you, you you conflated a couple of things there, and so the, oh, the, the I'm going to be the I'm going to be the English lit guy here for a moment. <laughs> right. Um, let's let's tease this apart. Okay. Um, the one gospel where Jesus sweats blood is Luke. Mm-hmm. And we'll 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 deal with what Luke's question is in a moment. Um, it it is true that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, um, we have a variation of, and if the cup can be passed, let it be passed. Mm. And, and, and then we have the counterpoint in John, mm. where that text is not there at all. In fact, on a series of, of, of places in John, Jesus says, I have come for this moment. Yeah. Give me the cup. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, as we mentioned earlier, yeah. And, and when the disciples object in John, Jesus gets quite animated about, what about these guys are you or, or, and women are you not getting? Mm. This is my moment. Give me the dang cup, would you? So mm. I just, just to pull that out in relief, because the text of John is so different. Mm. So in Matthew, and Matthew's question is the question of, Waking up to the deep pain in our life, the betrayals. Um, John Mark's question is how we're going to walk through a time of such pain that's almost like a death. And Luke's question is um, how we how we can give of ourselves in service to others. Hmm. So the the text about drinking the cup sounds different in terms of its what it's trying to inform us about in each one of those questions. Hmm. But here's the thing that is of most importance, and that is God does not want any of us to suffer one more moment, ounce, drop than is necessary for our healing and continuing to be a follower of the way. None of us should pray in the way that Christians prayed in the past, praying for mortification. Um, I I can't speak to the truth of of times past, but today in our world, uh, none of us needs to look for pain. Um, there's, There's enough all around us. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, it's very. Um, yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, there's so much pain in the world right now. You know, it's. Um, you could. There's so many things you could. You could mention. You know, um, but um, absolutely. Yeah. And so that. So that's what that's about. Then is it really the the. God saying that. Um, you know that. Um, he doesn't want he doesn't want us to go through any more than we we have to to be a follower of of his and to know yeah. him and to know his healing and his his transformation right right but but it but it but that line in each of the passions is pointed towards the question and the question of Matthew is about how we wake up uh, and begin uh, to be a deeper follower. Um, the question in Mark is the question about 
in Mark, I feel like my skin's on fire. I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. It just, it, it feels like everything in my life is dying at this moment. Mm. It, it feels like the knife is in my stomach. Um, there's a, a sharp edge with every intake of breath. And here we, we pray that uh, there'll be no more pain than what through the Christ I can bear. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating stuff. Yeah, because my dad's talking about this. Um, and Luke, the the question is, how can I serve? How can I best offer my gifts? How how can I best sweat um, with perspiration and the giving of my very self in the image of blood? How can I get, How can I do that? appropriately in the service of the Christ. Wow. And I, I love this, this image. I, I maybe have told this story before and, you know, you, you got an old little Catholic boy here. Um, and the, my favorite Pope is the Pope of my childhood. And maybe for every Catholic, the, the Pope of their childhood is their favorite. But um, it's, the, it's one of the little stories that John the 23rd wrote in his journal. And um, he said that he left the papal office every night at about 8 o'clock. Um, he was living in the papal apartments. He had a very short few feet to leave from his office to his bedroom. And he would turn the lights out in the papal office and close the door and say, God, it's your church. I'm going to bed. God is not generally asking of us to serve to such a degree that we lose our sense of contentment and equanimity. When when service comes out of bitterness and anger and resentment, yeah, it doesn't serve the world or ourselves. Yeah, I've always felt that. God doesn't want us to serve out of duty, out of obligation, out of any of that kind of thing. He wants us to serve from a place of desire, like desire, you know, um, where it's something in our heart, where we, you know, where we're truly giving of ourselves because we choose to, not because we have to. Yeah. Um, and there's a very there's a big difference, um, and that kind of brings us to the um, why have you forsaken me? Because I and I'm, I'm and I think I I think we've already talked about this outside of the recording, and um, I, I love this 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 because it's the the I had a massive revelation about this recently. It was it's like it's the beginning of. Because it's the beginning of a psalm, that quote. Yes, 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 yes. And a very, very, very important psalm. Yeah. And a psalm that for our Jewish ancestors um, was something that they prayed constantly um, as they prepared for a particular moment in their life. Uh, Psalm 22 was the psalm every devout Jew prayed their whole life that they would have the words on this psalm as they died. 
Mm. And they would all know that. And they would all know that. And, and that's why I think the evangelists didn't put any more of the psalm in the text. They, they didn't need to put any more of the psalm in the text any more than if we heard a Christian died saying, Our Father who art in heaven. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know the rest of the psalm. Yeah. And, and, and the reason that it was the psalm that every devout Jew wanted to be praying as they died is because it's a journey song psalm because it, it takes um, perhaps our it, it starts with our our feelings of pain and abandonment and betrayal and being forsaken, which everyone must have at some place inside of themselves when they're near death. Mm-hmm. But it moves us from that place to the end of the psalm, which is this paean of praise. The end of the psalm says, God, who else can I give praise to but you? Hmm. Yeah, exactly. When you yeah. came out for my mother, you, you, you laid me on her breast. The, the, the beauty of the earth, the, the ardor of lovers, all of this is in praise of you. And, and the psalm ends by saying, I know generations not yet born will give praise for your faithfulness and your justice and your radiance. Mm. Yeah. So all these people that say it was Jesus denying God. No, 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 no. It's not true. No, 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 And that is only recounted in Matthew and Mark. We don't we don't have that recounting in with um, Jesus on the cross in John or in Luke. Hmm. Listen just to that. Um, yeah, because it, it's and, not, and again I'm I'm not suggesting that the that the gospel authors are making this up. They're not making this up, but they're choosing they're crafting the text by the Spirit to give us a lesson about a particular spiritual path that we walk. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So they're, they're, they're not trying to give us the video cam of the event. Yeah, absolutely. It's not like, because we look at the Bible with 21st century eyes and we think, oh, this is, this is like literally the chronological, like, mm. you know, start to, start to finish story of what happened and, you know, and everything in there actually happened, and it has to have actually happened for it to be, for Jesus to be true, and all this. But that's not—that's a very kind of, almost a kind of scientific way of looking at it. It's like a, you know, it's not—it's—it's it's actually missing the nuances and missing the, the deeper truth and the bigger truths that are trying to be communicated here. And it's not to, and that's not to deny that any of it is true, or that Jesus isn't true. It's to, it's actually to say that he's bigger than what we've just what we've made it. The gospels are bigger than what we've made them, right? And I mean, it, it, it's to it. They're told to help us be better followers of the way when we find ourselves in one of these four situations. Hmm. So when we're on the first path of our world is falling apart, or when we're on the second path where. We feel like our skin's on fire and everything around us is dying. Hmm. Those 
are the two moments that our tradition would say, pray Psalm 22. Mm. Because because God understands, uh, God made us. God understands how the human heart works. God understands our neurological makeup. God understands that when we're in such pain and extremis, that we're going to writhe and doubt and question. And it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Just don't don't stay there. Move move with it. Move with it. Yeah, it's actually, I mean, that that quote is actually from Jesus. It's more of a declaration of faith than it is doubting. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, yeah. It's a. It's almost a cry of victory, in, rather than a than a kind of giving up. You know. And I I hope that as soon as everybody finishes listening to this podcast, that they will just open uh, their scripture to Psalm twenty two and read it in its entirety. Yeah. And see how it opens, see the middle section, and then see how it ends. Yeah. And remember, remember, remember that this was the prayer that every devout Jew wanted to have on their lips as they died. Mm. And Jesus was a Jew, you know. Jesus was a Jew, exactly. Yeah. He was doing exactly what every devout Jew would have expected. Yeah. It's, it's you know, we need, yeah, it's, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There's so much we could be talking about, um, you know, um, I mean, Easter Saturday, you know, that's not really talked about. That's not even talked about in the Gospels, Easter Saturday, you know. Yeah. And I always think that that's, that's almost, there's there's a reason, that, you know, that there's something about that day where there's silence and hopelessness and you can't hear from God and you don't know what to do and you're kind of lost. And I actually think that the, the the absence of 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 talking about that day might be deliberate, you know, yeah. that because it wants to acknowledge that those days happen with us. Is that is that what you think? Well, I, I, the the key to me, James, is just how you named it Easter Saturday. Hmm. <clears throat> Easter Sat the stillness of Easter Saturday. Um, we don't have any of the great rituals of Good Friday, and we aren't yet in the beauty and the power and the glory of Easter Sunday. But Saturday is where we spend most of our lives. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And to me, the question of Saturday is, can we work until and rest and not see anything happening, but trust that God has it all in God's plan? Mm. Yeah, that's another. To me, that's another form of resurrection. Yes, I mean, there, there's the there's the form of resurrection that we all want, which is the smells and the bells, and I want dark chocolate, thank you. Um, and and you know all of that beautiful sensory experience of new life. Yeah, that's one form of resurrection. But but the Holy Saturday form is. Knowing that all is in God's hands and all is in God's plan, 
And I just simply have to do my part. Mm. And I don't have to have God confirming to me every moment that everything's okay. Yeah. That's really important. I've been learning that lesson myself. Like it, it, I, and it's not actually very easy. <laughs> oh. It's a very painful day, Easter Saturday. Yeah. Um, really? And it takes time to work through that day. You have to walk through a valley on that day. You know, yeah. a dark valley. And... Um, but and, and that's that's why to go back just for a moment to, to this earlier Easter before the formulation of of Holy Week, mm. where Good Friday and Holy Saturday and Easter Sunday, each day was about a different aspect of resurrection. Right. Interesting. They weren't lit. They were saying that the present moment life has different experiences of resurrection and, you know, which which experience of resurrection is most true for you right now in your life? Hmm. Is it is it, um, you know, the smells and bells and the, and the beautiful verification of an Easter morning? Um, or is it? Um, the Good Friday resurrection, where you know the Christ is helping you carry your cross, or is it the quiet of a holy Saturday, where nothing seems to be happening? <laughs> There's no turnaround in sight. Um, it's just a long road of ordinary work, but you know that God is. T- God is using that for something that you can't see yet. Mm. That's I think that's a really good place to kind of draw it to to close. It's like you know, those three I, those three metaphors of resurrection for you know um, this will be going out on um, the day before Maundy Thursday. Um, so I hope that. You know, people who are listening, that you'll take like, take these three ideas of resurrection as you go through the Easter weekend. That you know, you'll, that these three these three ideas of resurrection on Good Friday, on Easter Saturday, and Easter Sunday, and reflect on those, and and read Psalm twenty two. Read it on hey, Good Friday, brother. Um, hey. So um, thank you, Alexander. Um, You're welcome. You're welcome. I always feel we could talk more. Can I can I say two, couple of things just as, at the end? And yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that maybe there there is going to be a greet and meet in in London or somewhere in, around London um, in in second week of May. Um, sort of keep keep ears to the ground on that. Mm-hmm. And um, as everyone knows, or you may know from past podcasts. Um, I lead a group of pilgrims uh, on the Camino in Spain every September, October, November. It's a long journey. Um, and we've just had an opening come available, and I'd love to talk to anybody if um, if that's something that they think they might be interested in. <laughs> and there's information about all of this, about the Gospels and about the Camino and about my work that's on the Quadratus website. It's Q-U-A-D-R-A-T-O-S dot com. Yeah, and I would 
recommend that to everybody. It's um, Alexander's work is phenomenal, and if you want to go back and hear more about um, the Quadratos journey and the stages of Quadratos, you can go back and listen to some of the episodes that we've done because we did an episode on each stage, um, and um, yeah, um, there's uh, you know this is our seventh episode I think, so there's a whole lot of stuff. Um, go and catch up with those. Um, Alexander's got so much wisdom, so. Um, thank you, Alexander. You're welcome. So from my Arabic Christian heart, uh, our Easter greeting is Messiah M. The Christ is risen. And may it be true in everyone's heart. Beautiful. Thank you, Alexander. And thank you, James. Have a blessed Easter, everybody. Thank you.